This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves a bit of willy. I mean that in the nicest possible way. Uh, yes, it was only Hull, but much can be said for a comfortable 4-0 win following the 3-0 win against West Brom in the league. A much-needed confidence boost before a daunting couple of weeks for Chelsea, starting with Barcelona tomorrow. Uh, the big winner was Willian, who put in a stellar performance with two great goals and indeed could have had a hat-trick. But Giroud impressed again, and Conte gave a run-out to some of the youth, with Ampadu, Hudson-Odoi and Scott all featuring. And Leicester are next in the FA Cup, and let's face it, the draw could have been a lot worse. Beat them, and we're in the semi-finals, and in with a shout of another FA Cup final. Dare we start dreaming? Anyway, we shall find out. Uh, On the Chelsea Fancast number 415, Hull Breached. And on this show of all shows tonight, I have a good lineup tonight, as always, as always. Uh, but of course, uh, before I introduce the others, we could, we've got to introduce my my right hand man, Jonathan Kidd. The uh, the I think the Mike Parry to my Mike Graham, or did I say that last week? Did I have I changed it round? I can't remember, Jonathan. I think we 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 can flip backwards and forwards, can't we? We're, we can. We're, we're one of the two, you and me. We so, are. Yeah. Yes. But thank you, lovely to little... show, as always, with such esteemed company. I, I am Indeed. not worthy. I am not, no, um, you are. You are very worthy. You do sound. You sound as though you're in a in a in a in a in a rubbish bin at the moment for some reason. Yeah, probably. I'm happy to go along with that. I, I've I've got the uh, I've got the uh, the wicker basket over my head, so there are a few holes available for my voice to come I, out of. Yeah. That sounds a little bit better. Good. Keep it keep it that way. Uh, right, now, as well as obviously me and Jonathan, as always, always me and Jonathan on the show, isn't it? Uh, but, of course, we've got uh, off his sickbed tonight, the wonderful Dan Silver, who uh, I was delighted to have a few beers with in the cock before the match on Friday. Um, Dan, good to see you, mate. Yeah, it's good good to be here. Um, literally, literally and figuratively on my sickbed, but I'll be fine. I'll, I'll mm. soldier on. Yeah. 
Friday night football isn't quite as bad as I thought it would be. I had a good beer up before, though I, I did get in the pub nice and early. It was also good to see uh, Mark Harrington, who was over from New Zealand, and his mates Sean, Ron the Dane, and I think the other Mark. Uh, yeah. And, of course, we saw the lovely Dean Clay in the pub beforehand. And who was that young lad? It was James, wasn't it, James, who came to Hello? Uh, he was a, um, a, lot, a long-time listener, comes game with his dad, so it was nice to see him and a good chat with him. So if you're out there, Jamie, hello. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to see you, Jamie. It's a shame you ran off because I was hoping to have a proper chat with you. But before I had the chance, you disappeared. But hopefully, hopefully next time we'll get to have a beer and a, and a proper chat together. But yeah, it was a great night in the cock, followed by a lovely night of football. Sadly, somebody who we didn't see, my my old neighbour of yore uh, from Gate 17, Mr. Joe Tweeds. How are you, mate? You all right? Yeah, really well, Chid. Yeah, thanks for having me on as usual. Mm. Now, did you uh, did you happen to bump into a certain Rick Glanville in Copenhagen? Too late, unfortunately. No, I heard he was uh, here, but I was already uh, gallivanting around Copenhagen at that point, unfortunately. Yeah, he was. I don't know what he was doing there. He didn't. He didn't reveal why he was there, but he was definitely watching the game over there. So there you go. Right, uh, going to be a good show tonight. Joe's always good value for money, and as luck would have it, uh, there'll be a lot of talk about a youth, which of course Joe, uh, Joe is a, is an expert on. Unlike me, I know nothing. I deliberately know nothing about anybody under the age of forty. It's a, it's a good policy for those of us who are old, like me. Uh, anyway, on the show tonight, we praise the wizardry of William and ask, should he be the number one choice to partner Hazard behind the striker? And why, oh why, does he get so much hate from the trolls? Uh, if you can answer that one on a postcard, I'd be delighted. Anyway, in part two, we reflect on the performances of the young players who got game time and ask how important the win was to restore confidence and bring some calm to Stamford Bridge. Much needed calm. In part three, we look forward to another clash with Barcelona in the Champions League and recall some of our favourite Chelsea v Barcelona matches from the past. But the real question is, going in as underdogs, can we get a result? And if so, How? And, of course, to wrap up proceedings in part four, we've got some absolutely brilliant emails from Jonathan to read out, including a, a monster rant from uh, the wonderful film Monday. But they're all, all quality, quality emails this week. Uh, now, of course, uh, we have uh, lots of people uh, already lined up uh, in, in the Mixler chat room, which is a bit of a thing on uh, Monday night when we record the show, because, of course, we broadcast it out live to the world. Live and lots of people are in there. Uh, some some new people tonight. I'm delighted to say uh, we've got uh, CFC Sport, who's a very active mixer. Uh, we've got Vin de Blue, the lovely Vinay, who who I follow. I think I follow him on Twitter, but I, I do converse with him on Twitter. Uh, Mark Seventy, uh, the uh, the wonderful John Chips Chiverton, who's in here every week. As is Planet Earth is Blue. Andy Rue, I would imagine Andy is from Australia. And uh, we've got uh, oh, my mate, oh, Andy Selman. Uh, well, because it's Andy Roo, you oh, see, as in R-O-O. Yeah, yeah. yeah clever. Yeah. As, in, as in Kanga Roo, which is his brother, apparently. Oh, um, Dean Mears, the lovely Dean, Me Dean Mears CFC UK. Dean, <laughs> you'll be proud of me, mate, because I I was in the pub at five on Friday, had a, had a skin for, watched the game, went to the Atlas with Martin Wickham et al., had more beer, and then I got home, feeling quite worse for wear. I got home about half 11, and then I started my CFC UK article 
because I am a true pro, mate. So how about those apples? As I promised on Twitter the other week. Anyway, enough pr- uh, prattling on from me. Good to see so many of you in Mixler. Um, if you want to join these reprobates, and I really do recommend it, if I wasn't listening to the show, or if actually if I wasn't doing the show, uh, I would be happy to listen to it in Mixler and join in with the conversation. And you too can do that every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea fancast. And as I said, you can join in all the chat with that lot. And uh, of course, you can always tweet us at Chelsea Fancast, and uh, I will obviously ignore them because I'm busy doing this show. One day I will get uh, an assistant who can tell me what's happening in the Twitter world, but there you go. Um, right, um, after this very short break, we're going to be talking all about how bloody marvellous William is. What a superstar he is! I think I, I, I must confess my, my my love of Willie, you know, without sounding too carry on. Um, but I've always liked the the lad. I really have. I mean, ever since he announced himself with that um, fantastic uh, uh, chipped goal against Norwich away years and years ago. Um, but uh, on Friday night, two superb goals. I mean, superb goals. They really were. Um, he could have had a hat-trick, hit the bloody post. Um, I think the most amusing thing, of course, was that he, he made an assist in the penalty missed by telling uh, David Myler that uh, he was going to miss it and where not to put it, and lo and behold, it did. Um, but but looking, at, looking at him overall, which I think is it's a good opportunity to do that, really. But, I mean, at the moment, he's got nine goals and five assists in his last 14 games, which I think is pretty good. He puts in 100%. Um, I personally think he's an exceptionally good foil for for Hazard, uh, not least because, like Hazard, he he beats people for fun, quite often two or three at a time. Uh, He links the play really well. And most important of all, of course, like Hazard, he has an ability to shoot and score. Jonathan, what is there not to love about William? And I haven't even mentioned his hair. Uh, um, His hair is exceptional, of course. uh, I wish I had hair like that. Um, you wish you had hair, in fact. I wish I had. Yeah, I wish I had. Uh, it's cruel. I have a bit of hair, but uh, that was uh, cruel. Yeah, you do have a bit of hair, to be fair. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Um, uh, he was wonderful. Uh, it was a completely superb performance, and uh, um, that is uh, the that that was the perfect example of the great player that he is. Um, so it, it, it would be interesting to see if he doesn't start tomorrow night. Um, what would possibly be the reason that he doesn't start? Because uh, is it because um, Conte doesn't rate him within that that three up front? Because um, he seems to pick Pedro ahead of him, and as we've all been uh, we've all stated, Pedro hasn't been uh, the best player this year. He hasn't been the player that he was last year. Um, despite put his goal great, away great, well, though, put his effort. goal away oh, no, well, though, don't you think? Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. We have to remember it. It was Hull, um, and I think yeah. they were completely downhearted by the the brilliance of the first goal i mean for goodness sake phenomenal goal and um, set up by by uh, Giroud's industry more about him later obviously um but yeah i um I, you know one 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 wants to get out a conspiracy theory again which is that perhaps there are moments where he doesn't um, 
perform for Conte or perhaps it doesn't work in training because uh, uh, when he plays like that, you think, well, he must be picked every game. Um, but uh, occasionally, as we know, he doesn't uh, he doesn't quite perform even when he comes on um, as a sub, which is mostly be what he's doing. But as you say, Chidge, the record of the last um, 14 games is completely phenomenal. So um, what is it that isn't working for Conte when he doesn't pick him? Mm. Why does he believe that he has to come on as a as a sub? I, I you know, it, it, bigger minds than greater minds than mine are the ones to uh, to ask about that because uh, I'm a, I think he's fabulous. He's a fabulous player, particularly you know well, he was I, a fabulous player two years ago, and uh, he's a fabulous player full stop. But occasionally, one must admit, he comes on and he doesn't seem interested. Is that a personality well, thing? Is it is it that Conte is getting at him? Because he clearly uh, well, he, he, is completely fabulous. I'm just, just going just to come in there, mate. Because I, yeah. I, you know, I, I think I think you're right. I think in some respects, the one thing you can level at him is is that he's inconsistent. But personally, I I don't think it's the fact that he's disinterested. I think he's one of the look. You and I love our cricket, right? So maybe yeah. this this will make some sense to you. It's a bit like the, the accusation, the accusations, accusations that were always levelled at David Gower. Oh, well, he doesn't really care. You know, he's lazy and he's sloppy. And and I just think some people look relaxed and languid. And I think William is one of those. Because the way I look at it, I I mean, I go back to that, 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 you know, the Mourinho meltdown season. And he was consistently the only decent player we had that season. And he put a shift in. And I actually do think he puts in 100%. But I do think occasionally he may, he may look a bit lackadaisical. Right? But I think he just might be one of those people. Dan, I'm gonna, you are one of the great minds that uh, Jonathan and I have brought in to rescue me and him when we kind of run up against a brick wall. What, what do you think the answer is, mate? You know, what is, why, why is he inconsistent? Why, why doesn't Conte pick him all the time? Because he, he doesn't get as many starts as a player of his ability, I think, should. Yeah, I think it, it boils down to consistency. I think when his mind's on it, he's absolutely outstanding. I mean, you saw for the first minute on Friday, he's absolutely on fire. I think he's just consistency, getting the right mindset. And the, the bar's set so high by having Hazard in the team, it's very hard to kind of, you know, get to those sort of levels. I think he, he never lets us down, whether it's, it's it's a mentality thing or it's a Brazilian thing. I mean, if you look at we had Oscar, he was always a little bit, you know, un, underachieved ahead of a lot. There may be something to do with the mentality. When com- coming over to here, they're not quite quite up to the, you know, 100% week in, week out. But here's a difference between, here's a difference between Oscar and, and, and William, in my, in my view, Dan. You know, Oscar would in you know he would he would just turn his nose up at stuff on the pitch a lot he he would quite often shirk attack i mean also he would put two feet in occasionally i grant you that but i don't think william does i don't, i never get that impression from william that he just can't be asked or he's just not going to stick his foot in or, or give up i really don't i i purely comes down to confidence i think he's a player that needs an arm time to time say listen you know you, you william you're great you know get out there show us yeah. you know you, you can do when you've got you know a probably a micromanager like Conte on the sidelines, maybe that does have an impact on his performance. Or when he knows he's, he's coming and he's got 20 minutes to really do something. And that's huge mental pressure on yourself when you know that you've got to, you know, score a winning goal, get an equaliser. You've only got 20 minutes to do so. So maybe it's a, you know, a mental a mental issue as well. Mate, I, 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 that's a lot. I like that. I like that a lot. That That's a very plausible plausible answer to me it's a confidence thing maybe the manager needs to say Willie you've got the biggest Willie of all go out there and prove it uh, Joe um, I know we'll get some sense from you but the first I mean by all means comment on what we've just said but the, the question I really want from you 
Mr. Tactics is, <laughs> in my view, you know, William absolutely should partner Hazard playing behind the striker, whoever that may be, because I think he does offer something similar to Hazard. So on the one hand, it would take the pressure off Hazard, and on the other, it will cause twice as much damage to the opposition. But we don't see it very often, which I find curious. But uh, maybe you have the answer to that. Um, I mean, I suppose, first of all, the, the interesting thing about William in particular is that, I mean, we bought him as one of these kind of uh, you know, sort of forwards who, who plays on the left and is right-footed. And, and obviously, that's exactly where Hazard plays. So, I mean, since he's come to Chelsea, he's had to hugely adapt his game from being one of these, as I said, kind of uh, inside-out wingers to playing with more of a traditional winger. So, you know, it, it's, it's not always a, a straightforward thing that, that someone who can play on the left can automatically play on the right because so much of his game at Shakhtar involved in cutting in on his right foot, playing passes, he was, he shooting. Was a, he was number 10 there, mate. Yeah, yeah, number, yeah, he played number 10. He played on the left wing for, for Shakhtar. Um, you know, and if you actually look at I think he's actually played identical number of games for Shakhtar and Chelsea now and goals scored very, very similar. But at Shakhtar, he, he's got almost uh, 30 more assists in the same amount of time. So I think necessarily it's kind of a factor of partly where he's playing. He's playing obviously pretty much exclusively from the right-hand side. So I don't know necessarily if you get the best out of him, because I do think out of our, our front three, he does have the best shot. You know, left foot, right yeah. foot. Um, I, I don't think that's really... Maybe Pedro when Pedro's on it, but I think I think William's slightly more consistent. But no, I mean, I, I would agree. And I think probably the, the most fluid game we've seen this season was probably the Brighton game with uh, Batshuayi yeah. and Hazard up front, where, I mean, they were, they were exceptional. Um, you know, and I think, again, you can actually see the... A relationship that Hazard and, and William have, which also comes into play. I think they enjoy they enjoy playing uh, with each other when they're in the same side. They seem to have this uh, this sort of connection, you know, or the flicks and tricks that they do tend to come off when they're both playing. I, I just feel we're a slightly more fluid team uh, with William in the, in the side. And to the you know to the sort of the criticism, yeah, you know, he is a he is an inconsistent player. Um, but then I mean that's an accusation that can be levelled against quite a few of the starting eleven people who probably play a lot more regularly. And he has this season. The only only thing for me, for William, the only knock, and then this is more probably an indictment of his of his Chelsea career, is that you know he he has scored a lot of goals. But if you look at maybe the past couple of games, it's it's Hull, it's Brighton, it's Stoke, it's Bournemouth, Huddersfield. It's not sort of the Cities and Arsenal's and Uniteds that he tends to he tends to sort of really shine in. So you know that that's really my my only uh, you know, critique of William is I would like to see the same kind of performance or at least the same kind of drive to to sort of own and take control of control of a game. That he does against some of these lesser teams in, in in you know when we play bigger sides, but I completely agree with you, Chich. I would I would have him as uh, you know first name opposite Hazard on the team sheet, um, particularly when we're playing this this three four three. Just think he gives you a little bit more control up front. Um, obviously the the work rate is 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 fine for me as well, but uh, yeah, I, I think he's he's a, just a little bit more of a a fluid uh, kind of link with with whoever else is playing up front. Yeah, spot on, mate. I mean, I just, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Actually, because when when Mourinho, Mourinho played him, he he played him very much as a as a as a winger essentially, yeah. and he was tasked to track back a lot. Which actually, to be fair to him, he did, which you don't often see from from creative Brazilian players. But I, mean, I agree with you. I think you know him and Hazard playing effectively as two number tens behind a good striker who can hold the ball up and link play. We, we have the look of a side that can rip people apart. And, you know, that's what I want to see, you know. And it's, it, it is a real, when you see a player like William on form, I mean, Hazard, we get it most games. But if you see a player like William and Hazard on form, it's a real joy to watch. Yeah. That is what it's all about, you know. Even a miserable old git like me can see that. Um, listen, I'm going to turn to something else. Um, I, I mean, Joe, you're, you're on Twitter a lot. We all are. Um, but, uh, 
and I know this is something that really winds you up, and, and, and yes. you know, all, all power to your elbow, you get well stuck in with this. He gets the most appalling dog's abuse. I mean, there are one or two Chelsea players who get it most. Cahill, probably the most. But I would say that William's probably a close second, and I cannot for the life of me understand why. Why on earth would you do that? Um, I, I think probably I'd say it's becoming a more increasing kind of part of the, the online football culture is this this kind of need to have these sort of very binary extreme perceptions of players where you know a player is either Eden Hazard and he's amazing and you know you, you can't criticise him on social media or he's in kind of the Gary Cahill, Bakayoko William Camp where like they're the you know the single worst things that have ever happened to football and I, I think often it's just a case of uh, of sheep um, you know someone who maybe has a fairly significant social media following makes a point about a particular player and then you know you kind of get this sort of echo chamber of people who who, who are like minded and, and and say the same sorts of things but you know this particularly this season you know what, you know what was happening with Bakayoko with with it actually creeping into the grounds now I think that there is a definite you know sort of Arsenalification of of, of our support in, in some respects that. You know, traditionally, I've I've never really recorded a, a Chelsea you know, set of fans, particularly in the away group. Um, you know, turning on a player, and you know, maybe it's just sort of one of these modern things which is creeping into our support a little bit with, with the increasing rise of, of social media and, and the kind of influence it has over fans. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really explain it from any kind of logical perspective. You know, I, I you know, I, my, my personal opinion on Williams, I think he's a fantastic squad player. I think he's a, he's an excellent deputy for Eden Hazard. Whether uh, you know, kind of thirty, mm. he's he's going to be the long-term solution in the team. I'm, I'm that's I'm not entirely convinced of that. And now, as I mentioned earlier, I think in big games he can, you know, underperform. But I mean, you're not talking about someone who is is intentionally <laughs> intentionally bad, which is I think some of the the comments go a little bit overboard with with William. Um, you know, and again, it's this kind of micro analysis of people who don't necessarily understand football. They just, uh, you know, I, I don't want to sort of quote the whole FIFA line, but. You know, occasionally on a counter-attack, he may make a wrong decision. You know, footballers make wrong decisions, even the very best. And I think whenever he does make an incorrect decision, it's this kind of magnification of what he does poorly. Um, you know, you've got a few, some very strange people on Twitter who seem to enjoy making compilations of uh, bad touches and bad moments of Chelsea players, which I find very peculiar. But, you know, it's, it's, I just think it's just generally, a, a, not necessarily a cultural thing. I just think it's a very uh, modern reflection of, of, of how football fans are, are heading and you know it's not something I necessarily find particularly interesting and as you say I, I do try to sort of get stuck into to people you who do, do have these you very do. you know sort of very you give very them hell things. mate yeah you know I sometimes, I sometimes wonder if they're not actually Chelsea fans at all just, yeah I think there's that there's definitely that aspect Jonathan um I think some of the opinion I mean I'm, I'm all for people being critical and, and and if it comes from the right place and it's there's obviously some kind of intelligent opinion behind it but some of the stuff about William is it's just I just find it very peculiar. You know, there's no kind of logical basis for some of the stuff that people are saying, and it's as if you know they're talking about a a you know 15 stone overweight pub player rather than a Brazilian international who's won what two league titles with us. So, yeah, I mean, there, there definitely needs to be some sort of uh, some balance and a little bit more fairness. But I think it's just a general reflection of, of social media today. It is bizarre. I mean, you know, Dan and John, I mean, we're all on Twitter, like I said. I mean, I don't know what Dan thinks, but I mean, I, well, I'll ask him in a minute. But um, I mean. One one thing I always find peculiar because I do I do see these tweets occasionally you know coming up on my timeline, and I think who the hell are you you abject prick, and then I I have a look at their profile and I tell you what I, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of all of the times I've done that they are not following me and I am not following them and 
you know, I've got a lot of followers, so I'm I'm always curious by that, and and I actually I actually I'm heartened by that, that no pricks like that follow me, and I certainly don't follow them. So in a sense, I I avoid it, um, and I have no idea why, but I do. But Dan, I mean, do, you know, you, I know you dig them up occasionally, don't you? Yeah, I mean, quite often they get retweeted into my timeline, and you go to look at them. Mm. They've got an Eden Hazard avatar. Um, living in the middle of nowhere with 63 followers and they just, you know, crying out for attention. At Hazard Rabona or any kind of football player plus any kind of adjective that describes an action in football is generally the uh, the first line of trying to mute someone on social media. Well, there is that. And there is that. I mean, Jonathan, that's that's a really good point. I mean, I've, you know, I, I, I will I will mute people that I, I I'm not very, na- I'm not nasty, so I don't block people, but I will mute people who are, whose views I find utterly abhorrent and People like that would be top of the list. Uh, but sorry, Jonathan, I interrupted you. No, I hadn't said anything actually, Chich. Oh, really? Which sorry, I, mate. Yeah, yeah no, I hadn't. <laughs> well, I'll apologise for when I do later. Then did I gurgle or something? Or no, it was got, me. Oh, no, no, yeah, it was Dan. It was Dan? I think was being interrupted. I wasn't yeah. being asked anything. So what, what were you saying? I mean, you know, why, why, why the hate, mate? Why the hate? Is this Dan or me? No, I'm what asking you, J.K. No, no, I, I constantly think that they're just. Um, they're just uh, trying to get as many followers as possible by coming up mm. with com- completely contentious uh, observations that have nothing to do with uh, watching the game or just uh, yeah. uh, uh, an assessment that, that it's almost as if, how, how, how can I do this to, to, to gain some kind of notoriety? Because it, yeah. it doesn't seem to have anything to do with, with what we're watching. The trouble is, as you say, it's creeping into the, into the, uh, into the terraces, I wanted to say, but the seats. Um, um, we had a very strange experience. We actually had three people behind us in the middle tier who wanted to sing all the songs, and they, uh, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they tried very hard. But they ejected. No, they followed. They weren't. They were kind of tolerated. And, but uh, um, there was a kind of people looking round and saying, you know, oh bloody hell. And one one poor bloke did himself a mischief, um, doing "Hello, hello, we we are the uh, we are the Chelsea boys." By, uh, by getting louder and louder and louder, trying it at the end. He said, come on, sing, you bastard, sing. And he went, hello, hello, we are the Chelsea boys, hello, hello, And then went in, I think, didn't come back back after half time, I think. Um, oh, he strained himself. But um, even he, uh, they all had a go at Cahill in an unbelievably negative really? way. Yeah. And I... I it, to me, it's a, it's a whether it's a, it's even more of a, an instant thing nowadays. You just make an assessment of somebody, and then and that's it. They can't they can't improve for some reason. You can't have affection for them. I've got great affection for Cahill. I always will have because of his uh, um, of being such a great servant for the club and his magnificent yes. performances. And uh, and that's the way that's the way we assess our players. Yeah. Um, if if they're not as quick, and he isn't as quick at the moment, if whether it's ever gonna he's ever gonna get it back, um, you don't uh, say they're shit. We want rid of you, and then and abuse them. You just go, oh well, at the moment he's not playing as well as uh, as he as he used to, and uh, probably he'll be become a squad player. But I can't I can't find. Um, I mean, I think it's effort, isn't it? If people don't try, Gary tries all the time. He said there were moments I remember when. Jimmy Floyd Hasselback wandered around as if he couldn't be bothered, and the same with same with with uh, even with Didier for a bit when um, uh, Scolari was manager, and we were all shouting out, you know, taxi for Drogba a bit because he wasn't he really was making a point that he didn't want to play for him, which irritates us as supporters because you're not putting in a shift, and there's a reason for it. But you can you can never say that about Cahill, who is really makes a huge effort. 
there was a terrible moment where, in fact, just before the, the fourth goal, where uh, somebody he got the ball and everybody shouted out, shoot. But they were shouting out, shoot, in a kind of derisory way, which I thought, oh, how has it come to this? And I think it is social media. And he had a go and it cannoned off somebody. And then, um, what's his face got it? Uh, Edison got it and did that rather lovely, uh, um, ed- uh, rather lovely nutmeg. And, uh, and that was when um, Giroud scored with that, that, uh, that tap, tap in behind his head, as it were. Um, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bewildered and, and uh, annoyed that it's come to this for some of these yeah, players I'm, who are I, I, particularly I totally... him, who's won the Champions League with us uh, when he was injured in the final and was a magnificent, was a magnificent performance. And I'm, I, well, I, I mean, apart apart from that, Jonathan, because I mean that that was that was five years ago, and you can't live on past glory no, forever. But the reality is, he he gives he gives a hundred percent every game. Yes. He's a lovely bloke. He represents the club superbly well, in my opinion. And you know, okay, he's getting older, you know, so his legs are going a bit. He's never had technical ability to play the ball out the back very well. But you know, for Christ's sake, he's wearing blue. Get behind him. Nicky Kilduff, Jonathan, made a superb point, which I think I'll just wrap the part part up with this one. But he says, I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that pundits spend their time criticising players. So social media twats reflect and amplify. I, I there there may be a theory in that, mate. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the focus is on finding fault, isn't it? Perhaps it's, uh, but we, mm. we we know much more as well as as uh, supporters about. Even though tactically, I'm still away with the fairies. I I do, um, I do know a little. I do know more than I ever did when I watched when I was younger, and it's it's yeah. because because the the the, uh, the media um, feel they've had to up their game, and yeah, that could be a very good point. Is it? It's. Yeah. Um, is people feel they know more about it so they can be more critical. Um, Indeed. But, yeah, but it is, I, it's, I said... it's, it's awful to see that happening, I have to say. It is. And the same it with William. I find, I find the idiot, the idiot William bit is just beyond it's idiocy. I don't get that at all. No, He's no. A, well, I'm nasty player. too. That, uh, I mean, I hate to cut across you, but in the email, no, no. I don't know if you've you read it yet, but there's an email tonight which absolutely underpins everything that you've just said. And it's, it's I can't wait for that. Phil Monday's email is an absolute stonker this week. Um, anyway, uh, we better move on because we've got lots to talk about in part two. And in fact, after the break, we will be reflecting on the performances of the young players who got game time. And we're going to ask how important the win was to restore confidence and bring some calm back to Stamford Bridge. We'll be back in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, I have with me, as ever, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Great to be here. Lovely. And uh, we've got the, the the wonderful Dan Silver. Hello. And the uh, the Twitter legend that is. <laughs> he's more than a Twitter legend. I mean, I, I know him in real life. He is not a virtual friend. In fact, Joe used to sit four, four seats down the road from me in Gate 17. Joe Tweeds, lovely to have you on the show as always. Evening, Titch. Now, uh, 
it, it, I don't, you know, people think I plan this show out. I, I, I swear to God I don't. I just put a schedule together and hope it all pans out. Uh, but as luck would have it, we've got Joe on the show tonight. And, of course, Joe really does know a lot about the youth players, um, you know, which is, is brilliant because we've got him on a show where, of course, three of them played uh, against Hull. Uh, Ampadu got a start. Hudson Adoy got a half, and uh, Kyle Scott got I don't know twenty minutes or so. So um, we had three you know young players playing, which is always great to see. I mean, you know, obviously it makes a big difference when they can come on when we're four 0 up. Um, my my own take on it is that Ampadu was you know I think he's a very good player actually. He's, I can't believe he's only seventeen. He's so assured and authoritative, and very importantly, whether he plays in midfield or, or as he was uh, you know at the heart of the uh, three centre backs, he can play the ball out from the back because he's got technical ability. Um, Hudson Odoi, I like him. He's got attitude and he's got energy. Um, I think he needs a bit more experience, but I think you know I'd I'd like well I'll ask Joe that question in a minute uh, about Hudson Odoi and. Kyle Scott, who I, I confess I know absolutely diddly squat about in my embarrassment. <laughs> All I can say about Kyle Scott is that he's American and he has a horrible haircut. But he did put himself about a lot, um, although perhaps uh, you know he naively got himself a yellow for, for going in with two feet. But as a player myself in, in Ropley Tigers, I was at the age of eight, I was known to do that too, so I wouldn't be too critical. Um, but Joe, it was good to see them all, all, all getting a bit of a run out. I mean, should we, should we take Ampadu first? Uh, can I start with Hudson Odoi? Is that okay? You, you well, only because you love him so much. He's and one of my I would favorites, hate to deny yeah. you that. Well, yes, I mean, go on then. Go just, effuse about Hudson Odoi. <laughs> I mean, really, just just as a point. I mean, I'm I'm mostly very kind of vocal in my support of, of trying to bring young players through at the club, and I think obviously that has some uh, to, some downsides to people who who obviously that's not necessarily their modus operandi. So I was getting a few tweets about certain players being ready and not ready, and it kind of prompted me to just do a tiny bit of research on on certain players and see how they panned out and. You know, I had a look at, uh, at Lionel Messi just just as an example. Um, you know, I think if you if you read out his statistics in his sort of first two seasons, 35, 40 games, I think he got like nine goals, most of them coming against relegation candidates. I think most Chelsea fans, given how they kind of they set this benchmark for young players, they have to come and be world class within their first ten minutes. I think a little bit what Dan was saying earlier. There's this kind of expectation on people just to come on and, and do superbly well. That, that a lot of Chelsea fans would probably have been quite glad that that, that Messi uh, was sent out on loan to some League Two or League One side. And I think that 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 for me is is kind of the, you know that that's that's the benchmark in 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 today and potentially ten years ago is that that Barcelona saw potentially you know uh, an excellent player in in Messi and I think in in Hudson Odoi not not putting him in terms of the, the same end product but definitely from a, a young player perspective you know Hudson Odoi's got a lot of potential a lot of fans are saying you know he's he's not ready he needs a loan um based off of about what 90 minutes worth of play I mean uh, you know I, th- I think there's there needs to be some sort of uh yeah, not necessarily an agreement or an accord, but you know some kind of uh, rationality taken here that even arguably the the greatest footballer that's probably ever played football took probably two three seasons, maybe 35, 40 games at Barcelona to become accustomed and climatized to playing first team football. And if you actually, I actually went back and watched his very very first game. You know he was consistently giving the ball away. He kept getting tackled. He was getting pushed off the ball. And you know this this is a performance of a young player trying to adapt to, to sort of first team standards. And I think very much in the case of, of Hudson Odoi similar type of player, likes to get on the ball. Maybe he's more physically mature than Messi. But, you know, I, I really like that, as you said, he's he's someone who wants the ball, demands the ball, is willing to have a go at players, has the ability to take people on left and right, can use both feet, has a trick. Um, and I agree with, you, with your, you know, point in the notes for the for the fan cast. So I, I think sending him out on loan, um, 
is, is, is not necessarily the right move for him because at 17, what's what's he going to learn about about playing in League One and League Two? How, how not to get smashed by a you know 27 year old bloke every sort of time he touches the ball? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of some of these lower league loans, and I, I can't remember who it was. Um, it might have been Jody Morris or Joe Edwards who was saying that sometimes they feel when young players go out on loan that they actually they kind of adapt to the league rather than sort of rising above it. They kind of adapt to the players around them. And they start playing to that level. And, you know, if, if Hasan Adoy is probably one of the best athletes at the club, I mean, what's he going to really achieve by being able to knock the ball past a, a fullback in the championship or league one every week and just getting across in, you know, as soon as he comes up against a, a Carl Walker or a, or a Danny Rose, who are going to match him pace for pace, all of a sudden he becomes a very one dimensional player, but you know, a little bit sort of more on the development side of things there. But, you know, I think realistically, you know, I would like to see him kept around. I, I don't see maybe other than, than going to Germany, potentially somewhere where he can uh, play fully and develop. But no, I thought against Hull, you know, I think he was very positive. Uh, maybe didn't see as much of the ball as he would have liked, but I think a lot of that's dictated by the game circumstances. The game is pretty much over. I think we kind of went into a bit of walking mode in the second half. Um, obviously with Barcelona in mind. And maybe if you look at his his cameo against Bournemouth, perhaps that's more of a reflection of, of him as a player where there was sort of more on the line, a lot more urgency to to try and score. Um but yeah, you know, I think I think he's a fantastic prospect. He has you know, he has stuff that we don't currently have in the first team. He's got electric pace. He's a great finisher as well when given the opportunity. I just think as you're saying, Chich, he just needs to get accustomed to playing first team football. You know, I think the the comparison with Ampadu, who did actually I think he maybe had ten or fifteen professional games before coming to Chelsea it's quite clear that he's sort of comfortable in the sort of first team level and comfortable playing against adults as well. So yeah, for Hudson Odoi, I would like to see him kind of, you know, drip fed into the team. For me, it's not about, you know, him coming on and being a superstar within his first, you know, sort of three, four, five games. Messi really didn't come on to, uh, to look that kind of play within sort of the first three seasons. So why on earth a lot of people are, are putting these incredibly uh, tough, sort of criteria on players that they have to be superb, you know, at 17 to say that they, sh- they should make it at Chelsea is, is it maybe a little bit harsh, but again, I think it goes back to sort of this modern fandom that, that we want everything now. And, and you know, even with players like Bakayoko, someone that we bought, he's another one who seems, you know, people have made their minds up on him very quickly. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, with, with Hudson-Odoi, um, yeah, I, I would like to say that, that keep him around and hopefully he can, as you said, potentially be a first striker, but he gives us something we don't have. We don't have pace. And uh, potentially Conte can use him in that respect. Well, I, I agree entirely. I, I think, you know, bugger sending him out on loan. What's the point of that? I mean, I, I'm all for having three strikers in the club. You know, we need them. Uh, but I think the headline from that, Joe, is that Hudson Odoi is the new Messi. You've heard it here first, folks. <laughs> maybe from maybe Joe not, Tweed. but yeah, I, you know, I think, I think he's. Yeah, here we go. He's, he's got sort of, he does have, he's got world class <laughs> potential. You know, he does have, you know, if you look at his, his sort of age group comparisons, he's probably top three in, in his position in the world. It's just about trying to nurture that. And I, I'm, you know, I'm fully aware that just because you're a top youth player doesn't necessarily mean you'll be a top first team player. No, but no. I'm pulling your leg. I'm yeah. pulling your leg. You can take you can take the, the, the boy out of the journalist, <laughs> but not the journalism out of the boy. Um, uh, Dan, I mean, you know, we, we, I mean, obviously we would probably agree with the Hudson and Doyle. But who, who is this Kyle Scott bloke? And where does he get his hair cut? The council, probably. Um <laughs> To be honest, I don't know anything about him either. Um, no, me neither. No. Um, he looked good. I mean, Ask he looks Joe. Good. Ask Joe again. Joe, test about Carl Scott. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, now, he, he's he's an interesting player. But, I mean, besides the fact, I think that there, there must be a thing in the first team that they can only go and use that A-star barbers that all the players use once they've had a first team appearance. So hopefully oh. he, can, uh, 
He can sort that I didn't horrible... have a problem with the haircut. I don't get it. He looked like a beetle. What's the problem? It's my sort of like a Dukes of Hazard kind of seventies yeah. Southern American mullet. But... He's American. He's an American True. guy. You know, he's cool. Who was that? Know? Who was that character in uh, Tropic Thunder that um, that um, Ben Stiller played? You know, the, the the you know the one the one that was Simple Jack. That went full top. Yes, yeah, Simple Jack. It was a simple. Thank you, Joe. You yes. saved my bacon there. Yeah, he he had a simple Jack haircut, which is a bit worrying. But look, in all seriousness, tell us about Carl Scott, because I, I, I seriously, you know, I don't know anything about him at all. To be honest, I mean, in, in terms of sort of promotion to the first team, I think he he probably himself was maybe surprised that he got kind of, you know, put into sort of first team picture this season. He has been predominantly training with the first team all season. He was there in pre-season. Um, but actually, when I sort of think about it, he is a very Antonio Conte-style player in that, as you said, you know, he's he's very physical I think he's he's very economical with his use of the ball. Um, I, I, I think he he's a very good argument to show what Chelsea can produce in terms. Of, I, I would say he is a he's an above average academy player in terms of his ability relative to people in the team. But he looks to me like someone who could who could do something that Danny Drinkwater does in terms of his ability to win the ball, give the ball, play simple, play effective. And he hasn't cost forty million pounds. You know he's he's been at the academy for a particularly long time. Um, again, another player who. I think you're you're sort of scratching the surface of him. He's he's a lot more technically uh, technically gifted than I think he showed against Hull. But again, you know, professional professional debut and and all, and all that sort of stuff that comes into play. But I think potentially he is uh, he's another one who, who I think falls into this bucket of potential squad player. You know, I've made quite a big big deal out of uh, us going and spending a lot of money on you know, sort of not you know kind of averageish players, squad players who, who maybe you know seasons gone by would be would be someone who'd come in on, off the bench. Um, I think yeah, he, he's a very good argument to say that you know this is the kind of the, the the minimum standard player that Chelsea can produce. You know, very very comfortable on the ball. He's going to put a tackle in. He's going to keep the ball. He can give the ball. He can use the ball. Pretty much everything that you would want sort of a, a kind of Conte midfielder to be able to do. So yeah, I mean, I was really happy that he had his uh, had his debut. As I said, he's he's been around the squad pretty much all season, and he's been on the bench a few times as well. So for him to come on, I think was a very good moment for him. But in terms of his future, yeah, you know, why not? I think I think if if you're buying, you know, players of of Danny Drinkwater's sort of standard, if if that's kind of the benchmark for Chelsea players, then you know Scott Scott saves you forty million pounds, and I think probably if he had 10, 15, 20 games under his belt, does exactly the same thing. He looked like the kind mm, of player for me that if this was 30, <clears throat> 30 years ago, he'd be playing every game from now on. Yeah, he he, he had that energy. He had a real uh, he had a Johnny Bumpstead energy. Uh, I thought I thought he was great. He's got a fantastic uh, engine as well, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah he really can I, run all game. Yeah, I could, I could tell that. And the trouble is, he, he was playing with um, Drinkwater as well. And I think it was weird. Drinkwater had more possession. I saw later on when I looked back at the uh, the telly, he had about a hundred touches of the ball. But he he seems a bit lost, Drinkwater, at the moment. And I, I'm fe- I'm f- fearing for him because he was with Canty at Leicester, was a top player. And uh, whether it's the rigidity of the of the setup at the moment that he's stuck in. Having to play the you know the kind of drilled football that yeah. um, that Conte wants, so he's he's you know he's always having to get it and then play it left or right. But in the few minutes that Scott was on, there was a tenacity about him that I thought bloody hell, Drinkwater's not got that, and he had that at Leicester. Yeah, and he hasn't got it. He hasn't got it at the moment. And I was very impressed with Scott. I mean, despite mm. his, as you said, Chidge is. Uh, it's simple jack. tackle, but uh, oh no, I, I like that. I like no, that. No, I didn't like the yellow card he got for it, but I, I like the I tackle. Him, I likened him to a wasp. I thought there was a kind of sting in him. <laughs> I thought, bloody hell, that was good. 
I was very, but I'm intrigued by the fact he's played for three. He's played for um, uh, England, uh, Ireland, and America, hasn't he? And his three yeah, hedging his bets, hedging yeah. his bets, he's hedging his bets. Yeah, exactly. But, but no, I, 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 I loved him. He's the really was. It's that kind of thing. In the same way, the the weirdness of having Willie Caballero, who was clearly a, a personality, it, it it reminds me suddenly we're in. You know, we've got Barota and Bumstead playing as possibilities mm. because there's well, a kind there of go. there's a kind of character to them both. And I thought, bloody, got, Mi- I, got Mickey Hazard up front, mate. Yeah, I really would like you to 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 hang about. I was really impressed. I thought he was great. So hmm. that's just okay. my view. Let's anyway. move this on, Jonathan. Let's yeah. let's move this on uh, because we can't uh, do this show tonight without uh, showing our love for the, the the most beautiful Frenchman on the planet, with arguably the most uh, coiffured beard as well but um you know impressive impressive again i think you know he's got got his debut goal which i thought he put away really well he nearly scored an absolute worldie as well you know which he kind of like dinked just over the bar uh with the outside of his foot here's the question jonathan you know right now i would start him as our top striker right now me too would you yeah completely He, he fits he fits the uh the mold for me some of the moves he does, I was watching him. God, he pelts around the around the back of the uh, the back four, just providing angles. And uh, he's a class act. He really is. He's a he's a proper player for me. And you thought somehow think actually, um, even even if he's not contributing hugely, it looks as if he isn't. He is. He's he's so involved. You compare it with the you know the languid Batshuayi, not quite understanding where he's supposed to be and uh, not moving <laughs> into the right areas. And, and he's doing this. He's doing it instinctively. He's uh, mm. no, but and then Good the player, top of it is that poor old Morata comes on and uh, runs around like a blue ass fly and uh, falls over. Falls over, and you suddenly think, yeah. uh oh, uh, what's happened here? He's trying too hard, and I, I, and it's mm, an, it's. A, I yeah. we talked about it last week. The competition's great, but uh, no, the class. He's a class act, Giroud. Bloody hell, that goal was great. Yeah. I, I, Wasn't it? I, yeah. I, Definitely play him. I thought he was. It was, you know, you can tell by my enthusiasm here. I'm. I'm you are. Uh, I don't think I'm, I've uh, ever heard you so enthusiastic as I have tonight. What have you been drinking or something? Yeah, I've taken a lot of, of of drugs which I've stuck up, stuck up my ass. But uh, uh, okay. apart, <laughs> yeah, apart from that, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Jonathan's had a suppository. <laughs> yes, I've had a. It's a bit like it's a bit I, like I've kind of South Park. Kitty. You know, Kurt, what was it? Um, Cartman's mum had an anal probe. Chelsea fan cast. Jonathan Kidd's had a suppository. <laughs> mate, mate, you know, unlike some of the shows that we've done, it's clearly working for you. We can't argue with that. <laughs> Thank um, you. Dan, you know, talking about Giroud, I mean, Emerson Palmieri or Emerson Lake and Palmieri, as some people prefer, <laughs> um, you know, we should talk about him a little bit because, of course, he, he laid on uh, Giroud's uh, debut goal rather beautifully, I thought. I, I quite like the look of him. Yeah, very good. Very good game forward. The powerful, looks strong, you know, aware. You know, very, very impressive debut. And he has come back from a very serious knee injury. You know, he, he looked very good. He's definitely going to give us a, another option um, to Alonso uh, wide left. I thought, no, very, very good, you know, a debut. He, look, he, look, he looks a yeah. pair. But Giroud's class act. I mean, I, my Arsenal yeah. mate was like, oh, can't really get Giroud. You know, he's... He's not not really been a Wenger player recently because the way Arsenal have changed their style. But he said he's a great player. You know, as a focal point of attack, he'll, he'll, he'll do well and score some goals for you. Mm. 
I've had quite I've had quite a few Arsenal mates say much the same to me actually, saying you know you know we we liked him. He's a good player. Wenger never played him the right way, but you've done all right to get him, and we're not happy. So let's hope that's true. Um, I'm going to move this on a bit. Um, you know, just generally about the game, really. I mean, you know, like we said in the intro, it was only Hull, and that should be noted. But, you know, Chelsea have got a massive proclivity for screwing up on banana skins like this, and it, and, and it was a potential banana skin. So I was really, really pleased that they, they basically nailed it so comprehensively. It, it tells you how important it is getting an early goal, though, doesn't it, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this was, this is probably a reflection of, of quite a few games we've had this season where... Often we we, we, you know, we we tend to start fairly well in the sort of 15, 20 minutes, but once that goal doesn't come and then sort of the, the kind of laborious play groups in, I think, yeah, I mean, the, the early goal in this game, pretty much particularly just, just how good the goal was. Um, I think it really kind of took the wind out of wholesales. Um, yeah, and I think thereafter, it, it was one of those things, it seemed to kind of catalyse the, the entire side, both the quality of the goal and the fact it was so early because... After the goal went in, it was sort of just this this massive kind of onslaught, almost like an avalanche of, of football in the first half. They, they couldn't really cope with anything. And it's the first time this season, where I think, you know, even just for a 45-minute period where we really kind of made the opposition look kind of, you know, the sort of level they are when, when you would traditionally compare them to a Chelsea side. You know, they're what, they're 20th in the championship hole. And I think that, in particularly that first 45 minutes, I mean, we scored four, it could have been six, it could have been seven. You know, and that wouldn't really have been a... A, uh, you know, a stretch to, to say that that would have been a, an unfair result. But yeah, fantastic start. Um, and I think really from then on, it was just a, a, an avalanche of, of football, really. And, and Hull were, were pretty much made to look, you know, kind of look their level. Um, quite interesting that I think we've got maybe three players on loan at Hull at the moment and none, none of them could play, whether they would have, <laughs> uh, you know, been able to really help out. I, I, I doubt it too much. But yeah, just a, a, a really fantastic start. And I think, you know, the, I think at 2-0, the game was, the game was done. Um, yeah, I, I, have, exactly. I haven't seen a team drop their heads that early in a match for, for a very long time. But those are the kind of games where you, you know, you need to take well, advantage. Chelsea, possibly. Yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea well, possibly. Yeah, apart from us, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. as, as an opposition team, it hasn't happened in a while where, where they've, uh, you know, they, 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 they looked beat after about 15 minutes and, you know, it's it's nice to then pile on the on the goals because I think one of the things that maybe we haven't done is is when we've really been in ascendancy against teams this season is is really punish them and I think yeah, Hull Hull was a was an as you say a nice uh, confidence boost, particularly going into a a, a relatively mm. difficult game um, coming up in midweek so or tomorrow night I should say. Well, I I agree, and I think the best thing about it, Dan, was the fact that you know Conte was able to rest Courtois, Aspie, Christensen, Kante, and Hazard. Uh, you know, and and also take people like Fabricus off, who he might need, and Giroud off, who hopefully he'll start. So you, you couldn't really ask for a, for a better you know session before a massive, massive game, which we're going to talk about soon. But you know that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it's perfect. And you know, because it was a Friday, we had the extra day to rest because obviously mm. it's played on Saturday. It's, it was it was it was won by half time, very comfortably. Didn't expand too much energy. Just job done. I think, you know, two, top after 10 minutes, game was killed. They were abysmal. I mean, they were really bad. I mean, their priority was survival. And the fact that three of the back four were out, they just were bloody awful. And they missed a penalty as well. So it was just, you know, a very good day in the office. 
Mm, it was indeed. Well, well, well saved Willy Caballero, we should say. I, I'm warming to Willy Caballero. I think he's... So I can't remember who said it earlier on, but he's clearly a, a big character. Anyway, let's turn to, to what come, what It was you, was it, Jonathan? Well, as yeah. it happens, I'm coming to you next. So, oh, uh, thank you. What, what I want to talk about, I mean, obviously, the bizarre situation of having the FA Cup draw uh, at like 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, for God's sake. There's still like you know, two games to go, you know, that we that we, we don't know about, which is mental if you ask me. But the way I looked at it, I mean, in a sense, it was, it's hard to be disappointed. We're in the quarterfinal, for God's sake. But it could have been a lot worse. I mean, we could have got United or or City and, or Spurs if they go through, who are, who are the, the, the good teams left in it, shall we say. Um, but in a sense, it could have been better. I mean, Leicester won't, won't be easy. I mean, you know, they seem to have kind of picked up their form a bit. Uh, and Vardy's always a threat, and if Maris has got his head right, then they they could be tough opposition at home. Yes, it's it's not easy. I, my heart sank slightly actually, because I thought, Did it? Oh, yeah, because I wanted Rochdale at home, you know, just to maintain the whole <laughs> process of uh, of really easy easy ties. You I'll, know. I'll be honest with you, mate. I wanted Southampton away. Well, that would have been nice. Could just up the road from because it's just yeah. down the road from yeah, me, exactly. Yeah. But even Southampton or Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, 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 it would if it they would. get through. But, but they're 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 a, they're a tough side. I think it won't be easy at all, will it? No, not at all. No, it's going to be it's going to be tricky. They just need to uh, uh, get it together, and we'd be a bit slack. And um, no, it's it's not. It, we should win if we're if we're the team we hope we are. But um, once again, we're not quite sure this season who's going to turn up. Uh, yeah, you know, that's a good the, point. You know, the the, the big. The, sorry, go on, mate. Finish. No, no, no. What you were going to say you you do. Yeah. Well, I think the big the bigger worry for me, and I think I think you you you've nailed that. We don't quite know what's going to happen because we never know what's quite going to happen this season with Chelsea. But we should we should really win it if we're at it. But what worries me, Dan, is that that's the the Leicester match, which will be the weekend, sixteenth, seventeenth of March, will come after Barcelona. Um, at home, Man United away, City away, Barcelona away. So you know we talk about the win against Hull and West Brom uh, doing a lot to restore some confidence. Worst case scenario, I mean, I, I hesitate to go there, but you know we've got three, four very tough man- matches. We could lose all of those, and I mean, if we do, what kind of shape are they going to be in with the Leicester match at the weekend after that, and that being the only thing that we're still in? Uh, well, you'd hope if we did lose all four, we'd have a huge reaction and we'd put in a performance. Um, listen, with Chelsea, we're, we're the top level. We, you know, we expect to play tough games with the business end of the season. And if we do happen to lose all four, which I don't think we will, then, then we need no, to react. And Le- Le- Leicester are beatable. I think Chelsea on soil will beat Leicester. No doubts yeah. about it. Yeah, I like that. That's what I love about you, Dan. Never say die, mate. No surrender. Um do you see, do you feel the same, Joe? I mean, I'm, I maybe I'm being a bit overly pessimistic, but you know, it, it, it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we could be on 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 the back of a stinking run of games. Yeah, I, you know, I think I always look back to 2012. I think we played what Tottenham in an FA Cup semi final, Arsenal and Barcelona in about space of about six days. It felt like so. You know, what we we should as a club, I think as Dan said, where you know we're very used to um, this kind of business end of the season and the game's coming thick and fast. I'd like to think that, that Conte rotates the squad and, and kind of keeps people fresh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's going to be a very tricky month, and I, you know, not just for, for us. I think for any team having this sort of run of games, it would be quite tricky. But 
And I think it, it very much depends on uh, on tomorrow. I think if we do if we do well tomorrow, I think that could shape potentially the lineups that that we see um, over the course of, of the month. If we you know, if if we get tonked tomorrow, which I I really hope doesn't happen, I think again that that could shape the uh, the way that we we approach the the second leg. So I think tomorrow is going to have a huge huge bearing on, on pretty much the rest of the month and, and hopefully on. on I, I would like to think that it's a positive one, and that, you know that, that obviously impacts the, the, the decisions and potentially the the rest of the uh, the month itself. But yeah, I think it, it's it's really heavily contingent on, on how we get on tomorrow. Of course, I totally agree with that. I mean, all, all I can say is that I very very much hope that whatever happens over the next couple of weeks is that that we really that we really go for it. Um, you know, one one game away from a semi final, two away from a final. You know, and after what happened last last FA Cup final when we when we got so battered by Arsenal I really want another chance to go back there and 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 win uh so I hope that uh, whatever happens Conte will make will do his darndest to get through that tie and and win us the FA Cup this season which I I think you know with my sensible head on is our most realistic chance of a trophy this season um Right, talking of Barcelona, as Joe was very sensibly there, uh, in a minute, uh, in part three, we're going to have another look forward. Well, we're going to look forward to another clash with the uh, the Catalans uh, in the Champions League. Uh, I, we're going to kick it off really by having a, a look at, you know, some of what, what I'd be interested to see what the boys think about that, you know, what their favourite uh, Barcelona Chelsea matches have been in the past. Uh, we're also going to think, well, how, you know, clearly we're underdogs, so how are we going to win? You know, questions like that, really. See you in a sec. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. 
Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and uh, you, of course, are listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, we've got the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. And uh, my beer buddy, Mr. Dan Silver. The uh, a West Lower. We've got a West Lower resident in Dan Silver. We've got an East Middle resident in Mr. Jonathan Kidd. And uh, last but by no means least, we've got an, uh, a kind of an ex-Gate 17 Matthew Harding <laughs> upper resident in Mr. J- well, I know. I, well, you are in a bit. I mean, you, you're not ex because you've still got the ticket. But, yeah. you know, you've not been going because you're in Copenhagen, which is kind of, you know, a bit sad, really. I miss you, Joe. I miss you up there. I miss having <laughs> chats with you. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... Yeah, I think a lot of people, well, maybe a lot of people don't know, but we probably spend near enough every single half time <laughs> digesting the first half, and then uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, you know, th- actually, this is a good point, Joe. This is re- really why the quality of the Chelsea fancast this season has gone down the toilet because you know, <laughs> when I when I talk to you, I, I write notes, you see, so that I, I, it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, there we go. The truth is out. Uh, the shows prior to this season were basically all written by Joe Tweeds, but there you go. Um, right, we should move on. We should move on because, we. I mean, look, okay, hands up, everybody who's so absolutely pumped for tomorrow night. I'm putting my hand up. Dan? Yeah, it's up. Both hands are up. Both. Jo- both hands are up for Dan. Jonathan? All my hands are up. All three of them. All of his, all eight of his hands are up, and Joe's also excited. Yes. We're, we're obviously lu- we're lucky, you know, to, to, to be going. I really am. I, I have. I, I told Kerry this on the on the show I do with him, Kerry Dixon show on uh, Thursday. How excited I am about this game, and you know I've had that ticket stuck up on my pinboard for the last couple of weeks, and and I, I just cannot wait because frankly, this is what it's all about. And you know I remember when we were never in Europe. You know, so the prospect of us playing one of the excuse me, dinner repeating, one of the great European sides, um, irrespective of the fact that we play them nearly every season. Is just fantastic. This is what it's all about. Um, and uh, just have a quick... We're going to have a bit of a recap, really, on some of those great uh, great games we've had against Barcelona. Because on the whole, they've always been you know, quite special. Um, but the interesting thing, the first thing I found out was that we've won five, drawn five, and lost five, which is wonderfully symmetrical. And I think that, that we've probably... I, I would say that we've probably got one of the best records against Barcelona in Europe. Um, I'm going to go back to the, one of my favourites first, which was uh, actually in 2000, but it was the 99-2000 season where we, we faced up against them as our, in our first Champions League campaign um, uh, in, in the quarterfinal. And uh, it was one, we were 3-0 up by half-time with Zola and, and two flow, flow goals. And uh, it, was all, it was just... People were pinching themselves. They couldn't believe what was happening. And it was, one of, I have to say, one of the best atmospheres I've seen at the bridge. Uh, even when Figo scored on 62 minutes, you know, it didn't really deflate it too much because we just thought, ah, well, we, we've got this nailed, Jonathan. And then it all went pear-shaped when we went to the Camp Nou. But that was a great night, wasn't it, in 2000? Other than the one goal they scored at the end, wasn't it? Wasn't that, uh, that well, was I don't think it was, I don't remember it being too deflating. I was I was so pumped up. No, no, the, the, um, the old git in me was instantly deflated. Yeah, yeah. The uh, you know the old wise owl that I am said oh they've scored the away goal oh my god um, yeah. no it was it was unbelievably exhilarating it was phenomenal it was one of the great nights and I think nearly every Barcelona uh, game has been one of the great nights there's always been something happening whether it's been Ronaldinho's toe poke or Carvalho pulling the last player out of the wall um, uh, to, for the fourth goal. Um, and we beat them 4-2 um, 
Uh, it's always a great occasion, and the dreadful, dreadful evening with the um, with the completely uh, the the completely inept referee, whatever his name was, of, of Rebobo, whatever his name was. Um, they're all, there's always something happening against Barcelona, and I expect it to be the same tomorrow night. Actually, um, indeed, I just Dan, don't want to Dan, be that... I don't want to be carried. You won't. You'll be all right. Your butler will bring you venison pies, and you'll be fine. <laughs> Dan, um, I'm glad Jonathan. I'm glad Jonathan mentioned the uh, you know the the, the four two in in 2005 because that was that was one of the most amazing matches I've been to at the bridge. And the thing, I mean, again, we were three nil up in 26 minutes this yeah. time and it was completely surreal, but uh, I, I, I will, I will to the day I die, remember that Ronaldinho goal cool. because the entire ground went silent. I've never seen this happen with a goal before or since it went in and everybody went silent because nobody could believe quite what they'd seen. Could they? That was, it was probably one of the most incredible goals I've ever seen and probably the best goal I've seen scored against us. I mean, just from, from nowhere, he just, Snake hips in the back of the net. A check didn't even move. It was it was a brilliant, brilliant goal. But that that match was absolutely amazing. I mean, three up in the first twenty odd minutes, playing some amazing football, and then John Terry goal, and then you know the just after the match, it was just like an unbelievable high. I mean, the emotions we were going through just is one of the great, great European nights at Stamford Bridge. Without without a doubt. We're being we're being outranked on uh, Mixler, which which I think is absolutely how it should be, because Planet Earth is blue, has said 1966, dear boy, which of course was a uh, Chelsea's Intercity Fairs Cup. Uh, uh, Jonathan was probably there, actually. I'm afraid but I was. We, we, I was yeah, there, but I was we... also I was also there for the um, when the screens were put up um, for the five nil loss. I watched that one as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, no, I was because there, didn't we I was there didn't for... we draw? We we drew both games we, we and then it we went to one, a third didn't game, we drew didn't one, it? One. Yeah, we, I thought we drew one one at the yeah. bridge. Yeah, yeah, amazing stuff. Um, Joe, uh, the last time we lost, this is amazing. We haven't lost to Barcelona in our last seven matches, but the last time we did lose them in the Champions League was in two thousand and six when we lost at home two one. And and I have to be honest, my abiding, I, I really loved that game bizarrely uh, because. Uh, Azir, Azir, whatever his name was, Del Horno, tried to boot Lionel Messi into the Matthew Harding lower, which is one of the funniest things that I've seen. And, of course, completely unfairly got sent off for it. But what I loved about that was that the whole of the Stamford Bridge completely galvanised behind the team against Barcelona. And even though they lost, I thought that was a fantastic rearguard, gutsy, ballsy performance. Do you remember that one? Yeah, and, and interesting what you say, particularly about the stats, because I, I, the one one of my favourite things is that when we've been eleven versus eleven, we've actually never lost a game against them. So all of those losses would have been when we've had someone sent off. So obviously that means if we keep eleven players on the pitch over the next two legs, we should win quite comfortably. But um, yeah, well, I mean that, yes. that two thousand six game, uh, yeah, that's yeah, the, the, the Del Horno incident was, and not only that he. He did actually properly try to volley him <laughs> into the. Uh, he did. Into yeah, he did actually yeah, and uh, definitely. I mean, he definitely played the ball, but um, yeah, no, I, th- I think yeah, that 2006, and then obviously the the, the dropper goal um, in the in in the was it dropper or Lampard? I can't remember who scored in the in the away leg or the away game, I should say. Um, oh, is that the Lampard goal where he might put be it chipped it from like the byline basically? Yeah, but uh, there's been some super, super, super games yeah. against them, haven't they? I mean, here's the thing, Joe. I mean, you know, 
I think we're clearly underdogs in a sense. But, you know, going back through some of those matches, the thing that strikes me, actually, is how close they've always been. They've act, I mean, they have either been goals or it's been really tight. But actually, we're talking about two sides who are completely different. You know, we were, yeah. we were stoical, rearguard, tough, compact, as Rafa Benitez would like to say. Never mentioned that word, Chidge. Uh, and, and Barcelona, of course, are all kind of very high press, really creative, you know, quite often swamping us with attacks. And yet they've always been very, very close. And yet, right now, the two teams are completely different from the, the, the last time you met them in 2012, aren't they, in a way? Yeah, I'm, I always go back to the, the quote that Messi said about, you know, there was a lot of players in that in that kind of you know, era, I suppose, from, from 2012 onwards, where he said that they hated us more than uh, Real Madrid which I think was quite a compliment in a way, because I think we were probably one of the only teams that played them where we weren't completely petrified of them. Um, I mean, yeah. I'll go back to the, you know, obviously the, the Overbow game, but that the first leg in the new Camp, I think we, we were the first team to, to, they hadn't scored against in about two, three seasons, you know, and we, we went over there, completely just dominated the game. And, and all Barcelona did was pass the ball from left to right. I and mean, to be fair, we were quite unlucky that we didn't score up there. So, you know, I think we, we've, in a way, we've, we've been there kind of kryptonite, um, just sort of how we play stylistically, but you're, you're, you know, you're entirely right. I don't think that level of, of animosity exists now between the players. I mean, I think Messi and Fabregas are best friends, which, uh, you know, obviously is, is, I don't know if that's effectively going to affect anything, but we, we obviously have a lot of Spanish players as well. Um, who will know Messi and, and probably be, be sort of fairly friendly with him as well. So yeah, I think, I think it's going to have a very different feel. Um, I also think that, if we go into the game, and, and this is one of my, my big hopes, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but if we go into the game with kind of an ultra-defensive mentality, I, I don't think we've got the, the character or, or necessarily the strength of the defence that we've had previously, and I think that would be a very, very bad thing to do against a Barcelona team that, that you know kind of unlock any door whenever they want because they have such an incredible array of attacking talent. So I really hope that, you know, I think in, in terms of, of what, we, what we're going to try to do at least, is is have a you know not not go force nine and, and and try and play with hazard, but actually have a real focal point and and maybe just play a bit direct <clears> against <throat> them. You know they're, they're not they're not going to be yeah. used to, particularly when they press. Spanish teams will still try and pass the ball around them. I think if we were just to not necessarily ignore the midfield, but go a bit direct to Giroud or Morata, I think that probably gives us a bit more of a chance because they're they're not going to be used to playing those second balls. If we can get around Morata or Giroud, I think that that's our chance. I totally totally agree. I mean, Dan, Joe makes a fine point there. I mean, on the one hand. You know, we're probably all having sleepless nights about what uh, Messi and Suarez uh, might do to our defence. But, I mean, we can get at them, and I, I agree with him. I, I, I would like to see us play Willian and Hazard behind Giroud and absolutely go for it, you know, because I think if we drop off them and, and, and go in with some fear, then uh, it could go a bit Pete Tong. Dan. Oh, you didn't mention my name. Dan. Yeah, uh, yeah we well, listen. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Yeah, we need to have a little bit of aggression about us. I mean, you, you know, get their centre backs. You know, PK doesn't like doesn't doesn't like it up him. So, you know, Busquets put a bit of pressure. Unless it's from Shakira, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we need to, we need to score at least one to home. You know, one nil, one one nil nil. I'd, I'd definitely go with three out front. Giroud up against those two. Hazard and William buzzing around their defenders. They're not. They're not that good defensively. They've got a fantastic mm. front three. But we need. We need to not show them too much respect. Mm, I agree, Jonathan. Um, as our resident uh, Chelsea fancast referee, 
We've actually got Kunyet Kahir. I can never pronounce his name. The only time I've ever pronounced it close, it sounded very rude. So <laughs> all I will say is that he is the referee uh, in the semi-final in 2012 in the, in, the, in the Camp Nou. Of course, he sent John Terry off. But actually, I think he refereed that game pretty well. And I think he's probably one of the Champions League's most experienced and arguably best referees. So I'm kind of happy with that because... We usually get a player sent off against them, and they dive more than you know your average, you know, Tom Daly, basically. Well, let's hope he's improved then in the six years since 2012, which is yeah. Well, JT arguably deserved to be sent off. Played the ball with that rather obvious knee in the back of uh, yeah. uh, Who was it? Who did he knee? Pedro. Sanchez. Pedro. Um, yeah, Pedro. Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah fantastic. Who, who, no, who Sanchez. 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 Let's be honest. Was it Sanchez? Oh, yeah. Not quite. But tell me, is um, have we any idea what the team is tomorrow night at the moment? Have we? Uh, is not he, yet. Is no. He, um, uh, uh, is is Bakayoko in in the frame? Yeah, he's no, he's injured. Oh, he's he's out. injured now. Is he right? Right. Right. Because I, I was I'm just perturbed that he might then do the business of um, uh, of sitting deep as he's done before. Um, I'm, 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 I'm not convinced that he has our uh, enthusiasm for this uh, attacking three and will attack. I think he may spend the, f- the first 20 minutes just um, pussyfooting about because that appears to that's his Italian heritage. Um, well, that means he's, that means he'll play three in midfield yes. going down that road. Yes, and I and I fear you might be right. So let's let's work out the team. Courtois, obviously, hopefully Rudiger, Christensen, Aspi. That's that nailed. Alonso and Moses, I would suspect, will be the wing backs. So who's who are the three that he will play in midfield? So obviously, can I, can, can I just dispute that for a sec? I think Alonso is still injured. I know he trained today. Yeah. No, I think he's okay. He's okay. He's, from what I've heard, he's okay. Yeah. Anybody can offer anything up on that, Dan, yeah. Joe? He's fit. He's back in training, so he's fit. Yeah, but, that, yeah, yeah, but he right. hasn't been playing. You never know. He may. As, as long as we don't have uh, Zapacosta filling in in the wrong position, I don't think I could bear that. Um, would you would you want Alonso going up against uh, Dembele though the uh, the winger for for Barcelona? Is he fit? Dembele? I think so. Yeah, I've I've heard that he's 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 potentially fit or or in place to start. Yeah, I, yeah. I know what you mean, Joe. But the reality is, is that our best left wing back is Alonso. Mm. Silence. <laughs> 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 I I I I would. I would go with that unless we're playing someone who's got exceptional pace. And if it is Dembele, then then that is my, my big concern. Yeah, but who are you going to play instead of him then? The Brazilian wonder or the Italian Brazilian wonder. <laughs> with with one game against Hull under his belt, Why not? that's a bit of a risk. Why not? We've, 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 well, we've, we've yeah. thrown in other players. But uh, yeah, no, I, it, it would likely be Alonso. One. If Alonso's fit, he, he's, he's likely going to start. I, said, I just have a concern that no, this season I think his his poor games have come against really pacey wingers and and Dembele is, yeah, is pacey no, and, and very good. So I, I would just be a little bit concerned about that. I hear what you're saying. I'm trying trying to balance it between what I what I want and what I think will happen. But I think you know with a sensible head on, I can't see Conte taking a risk with somebody he's hardly played. He's going to back. I mean, you know, Alonso's been one of our best players. Although I hear what you say about the pace issue. The other thing, actually, which is a, which is something to, useful to bring in now. You know, and I think you, all the boys here have mentioned this. We've got we've got uh, Morata who who played for Real Madrid. We've got Pedro who played for Barcelona. We've got Alonso who whose dad played for Real Madrid, didn't he? Or doesn't he? Has he got Barca connections as well? I think, yeah, I think, I think he started at Real Madrid, Chidge. 
Yeah, but yeah. his dad played for Barca, I think, didn't he? Anyway, so we got him, we got Aspie, who's Spanish, and we got Fabregas, of course, who played for Barcelona. So my feeling is, is that you know, if if this was me, if I was any one of our Chelsea Spanish players, whether we'd played for Barca or not, I'm going to be well up for this match. You know, I, I would want the, I would want to have a chance to kick some of my old mates really hard in the bollocks. You know, that's the attitude I would go in with this game. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, obviously Aspie will definitely play. I think Alonso will play. Um, and the rest are moot, aren't they? So will Fabregas go in the midfield? I mean, you know, if he's got Kante in there, Bakayoko's not fit, Louise can't play in midfield, although that's a daft option. So it sounds to me as though it'd be Drinkwater, Kante and, and Fabregas in midfield if he does go three. Would you agree with that, Joe? Yeah, I would. I mean, a part of me would love to see... Uh, maybe a slightly drastic call, someone like Ethan Ampadu, maybe in midfield, just for a bit of bite. But I, I you know, that that's maybe just more of the uh, the daredevil in me speaking. I, I think the midfield, if we go with the three, it's it's almost certainly going to be Drinkwater, Kante, and and Fabregas. And I'm hopeful actually that if particularly if Fabregas is playing, I think what you're saying is right that he will be be motivated beyond well anything we've seen to play yeah. well. Plus, equally, if we're asking someone to play long balls, I mean, who, who's better in European football than to ping passes up to a to a target man so hopefully that, that will take those into our hands and they will have they will yeah exactly and and they will have a lot of the ball yeah exactly Barcelona yeah. always do so we won't be we won't be in a position to play through them we are probably going to have to do exactly that so really you know uh, you know it's actually to be I mean obviously Hazard's a given um but will he play Morata or 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 Giroud and that's tricky because again Morata will be well up for this being a real Madrid boy uh, and of course, he's got a lot of pace, whereas Giroud can hold the ball up. So it's, I think it's a real tough choice, Jonathan, don't you? Yes, and um, uh, no doubt he's uh, he's thinking about all the all the options at this moment. Um, um, it's whether we, you, you want the more traditional kind of centre forward play or, or the speed of Morata. Um, um, I suspect he'll start with Morata, and then we'll see Giroud coming. I on, think so. Coming on, I think you've nailed that. I, 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 and I, you know what? I wouldn't have a problem with that. Would you have a problem with that, Dan? No, I think it'd be the other way around. I think he'll start with Giroud. I don't think Morata's fully match fit yet, so I think he'll start with Giroud mm. when they get a bit tired to bring on Morata for the pace. Mm. Joe, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think Conte will start Morata. Personally, I'd go with Giroud. I think he's just a bit tougher, um, and I think he holds at, at this point anyway. He holds the ball up a bit better than Morata, but I think Morata at least showed, particularly if we go back to Atletico Madrid away, if we can somehow sort of get that kind of performance out of Morata, where you know he was absolutely exceptional in that in that game. If we can get that kind of performance out of him, I'd I'd be quite happy if he started. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm okay with either Giroud or, or Morata for the reasons that I said, really. I, I mean, the bottom line is it's going to be absolutely intriguing, and I'm, I'm so pumped up for this. It's not true. Sadly, I have to drive back. I've got to go in and out tomorrow, so I'll be off the source, but uh, hopefully that won't play against me. Um, so I think, really, the question is, what 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 would we what do we think a good result would be, Jonathan? 4-0. Uh, <laughs> to them or us? <laughs> to us. Even better. Uh, That'd be a really good with that. result, Chidge. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew. I knew. I shouldn't have asked you first. <laughs> I'll be cowering, Chidge. I've said I'll be cowering. I know you will. My, under my seat. Um, uh, yeah. I, 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 I'd love us to win two 0 I'd love them not to score. Um, 
Uh, I, I really, you know, I, you, I can't, you can't tell. I really can't tell. I don't know how they're playing. They're playing really well at the moment. We, we might, we might stifle them. We might raise our game. Um, there are so many. Possibly, I love the fact we've been written off. I have to say, because all the other teams, all the other English teams, have uh, have had it comparatively easy, and they think United are going to win easily. So I like, I like the fact we're the underdog. Um, but uh, I, I know who knows. You know, I, I'd be. I think I'd I'd be happy with with one nil. I'd be, but I really would be happy with two nil or three nil. Um, but I think they'll score. Um, it's just a question of uh, us containing them and scoring. Obviously, that's that's what happens in a football match. Mm. I'm stating the beating obvious, but uh, yeah. So uh, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anybody. Okay. Well, thank you, thank you, Ron. Manager, uh, Dan. Uh, what 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 say you? What's a good result for you? Um. I mean, one 0 Chelsea wouldn't be perfect. Nil um, nil would have been the worst result in the world. Um, as long as we go with, still with a chance in the second leg, then I'll, I think we'll be happy. But you know, mm. perfect world would be one nil a messy broken leg. <laughs> <laughs> you, you bad man! You bad bad man! Uh, Joe, what what about you? What would be a good good result for us? Uh, I, I think if, if we can if we can somehow make sure that, that they don't score. Even if it's nil nil, I would take that now going into the uh, into the second leg. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to go one or two ways. They're either going to completely turn it on, and you know, they they, they might absolutely hammer us. Or I, I really hope that some kind of old school Chelsea mentality sort of comes through. And I think, like you said, we, we have been massively written off. I mean, just looking at Twitter, and they're not even doing polls on you know Chelsea or Barcelona to win. It's it's how many goals are Barcelona going to score against Chelsea? So. I'd like to, wow. to see some of that filter through into the players and, and have a bit of that sort of, you know, FU mentality and, and, and they, they turn on a performance. Because and the one thing I would say as well is I, I still, I know there's a lot of contention about Conte and the players and, and stuff like that. I, I would like to think that Conte has a, a one-off performance in him that he can set a team up to go out and do a job and the players actually respond to it because, you know, the magnitude of the game, it's Barcelona, it's Champions League. You know, all these sorts of uh, things. And as you said, half of our team know, know pretty much every single Barcelona player personally. So there's that element as well. So, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom around it. But I think quietly, and hopefully this doesn't come back to haunt me because it's been recorded. But I, I think that hopefully we'll put in a performance tomorrow and maybe nick a win. Um, I think Dan's right. As long as we've, we've got something to play for going into the second leg, I think we'll be, I'd be happy with that. You know, but if they don't score and we can nick a result... I think that would be uh, perfect because I think the, the thing is at the end of the day, I, I do think that we'll score out there. Um, I don't think that they're, you know, defensively they're, they're really any good. The only reason they're good defensively is because they have, you know, 80% of the ball in a game. So, you know, I think that they're susceptible to us scoring. It's just a case of, you know, going there and, and having having something to play for, for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I would concur with that. I mean, look, personally, I think, you know, the main thing is, or, or as always, it's always been the case with the Champions League, you know, as long as you're still in the tie after the first leg, you know, that's all that matters. So in, 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 in that context, you know, even a draw is not a bad result. Um, something like a 1-0 to them or a 2-1 is not so good, clearly. But uh, I think if, if we, even if we had a draw, that would be OK. Um, I, I'm with the boys on this. I think that, you know, we can score against them. The trouble is that they can score against us. And I think that's where the match will, will really, you know, the outcome will lie. You know, and I'm talking like going all going all Jonathan Kidd and Ron manager here, 
But I mean, there is a there is a reality to that, and I, and and I'm with you. I think I think Conte will be cautious. He will he will aim not to get beaten tomorrow. My only hope, uh, you know, for both legs, but particularly the one tomorrow night, is that Hazard uses this as a real chance yes. to shine and to prove what an absolute world class player he is. He's he is up against the guy who has been the best player in the world for at least the last ten years. And wouldn't it be lovely? I mean, I saw Alan May score, echoing exactly what I've just said. Would be lovely for Hazard to really turn it on and show just how good he is. I, I always feel like breaking into applause at that statement. And I really hope that that happens. Um, of course, we will, by this time tomorrow night, we'll be at half time. And Chelsea will probably be 3 0 up. Anyway, <laughs> I'm saying nothing. I, I'm just looking forward to it. It's going to be a cracker. But obviously, we'll be talking all about that next week. And uh, uh, me and Kerry will be chewing the fat about that on Thursday so there you go right few quick plugs and then we're into part four where we've got some cracking emails but uh, I mentioned last week um, that the London Football Awards are upon us and uh, Chelsea's got lots of nominees in most categories including Cespera Aspilicueta easy for me to say uh, for Premier League Player of the Year uh, which N'Golo Kante won last year the Chelsea Ladies Manager Emma Hayes is in contention for Manager of the Year last year won by Antonio Conte and uh, Courtois in for pl- uh, best keeper and Christensen best young player. So promises to be a great night. Uh, it raises funds for Bob Wilson's charity Willow, and it takes place at Battersea Evolution on Thursday, the first of March, where the winners will be announced. Uh, and I'm hoping to be there. Uh, apparently, I have got an invite for the red carpet press do. So I might even get to ask Courtois whether he's going to Real Madrid. And I won't print the reaction if he says yes. Uh, but um, what I should say is that Willow is a fantastic charity. It's the only national charity working with seriously ill 16 to 40-year-olds to fulfil uplifting and unforgettable special days. And for some, their special day is the opportunity to return some normality to their lives. For others, it's the last chance to fulfil a dream, uh, like uh, Messi scoring a goal against Chelsea. Uh, but for all, it's a life-affirming experience that uh, can lift spirits, reunify families, and be a source of strength when it's needed most. Now, um, it's uh, not funded by government or lottery funding. It's totally reliant on the generous generosity of individuals, companies, and trusts to fund its work. And you can follow them uh, on Twitter at Willow underscore FDN. And uh, for info and news on the London Football Awards, check out uh, hashtag LFA18. So there we go. <clears throat> Excuse me, people. Uh, right, Chelsea Supporters Trust, of course, my usual plug for the Trust. Uh, there's a newsletter coming out imminently, um, I know, because I wrote a lot of it. Uh, but you can join the Trust, get your voice heard by the club. It's free to join uh, up to be a member, but if you want a badge, a nice little shiny badge, and you want to be able to vote and attend the vote at the elections and attend the meetings, and it's a fiver, sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. Uh, and then you can do all of that and of course you can follow them on twitter at chelsea s trust and uh, talking of worthwhile things to belong to if you want to own a little bit of chelsea and protect the future of the club go and buy a share in the chelsea pitch owners and of course they own the freehold of stamford bridge and their aim is to ensure that chelsea play there forever forever and ever and ever and ever amen uh if you want to buy a share uh, and of course they've just uh, re- re- uh, they basically kind of changed the price. It's now 25 quid a share, not 100 quid a share. So it's a very good deal. A bit more affordable for everybody. But email them uh, at info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. Uh, you heard me warbling about CFC UK and my uh, article uh, on uh, whether watching football on TV is any good or not. Or is it all that, as uh, Adrian Durham would say? I have to say no. 
Uh, but anyway, the latest uh, CFC UK will be available shortly because the deadline for writing the articles was last Friday. Uh, if you can't get to the CFC UK stall opposite Fulham Broadway uh, Tube, uh, then you can always get it digitally by just, uh, subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, follow at cfcukusa, uh, and then you can get a proper copy there. So there we go. And uh, final mention, thank you for all of the lovely, lovely, lovely people who uh, have donated to our Patreon account, uh, which is uh, really just a a way of kind of, you know, donating to the work that we do. A bit like the fanzine, you pay a quid for your fanzine every month if you paid a dollar for every show, because it's all all in dollars, it's not not an English thing. Uh, If you paid a dollar for every show, that would be about four or five dollars a month, and then, uh, then I can have a beer on a match day. What's not to like about that? No, it's just a way of saying thank you. Uh, no pressure, nobody has to do it, but if you want to, you can do it. Uh, and if you want to do that, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. So there you go. Now, uh, after a very short break, um, it's Jonathan Kidd reading out lots of emails. It sounds terrible, but actually it's brilliant. Hooray! Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. You're listening to uh, no lesser being than Stamford Chidge. Uh, that's my alter ego. Um, uh, I have alter personalities on the show as well, and they are Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hello, dear. They are Mr. Dan Silver. Hello. And there is the, actually the man that Darren Mantle always used to refer to, actually, when we when we used to speak to him. Uh, we used to speak about him on the show long before he ever got on the uh, show. We used to say that. No lesser man than Joe Tweeds, Darren and I used to say. <laughs> and that sobriquet is absolutely spot on, mate. Good to have you uh, with us, as always. Yeah, evening, Titch. Lovely stuff. Right, Jonathan, we've got four cracking emails. I shall leave it to you. Uh, this first one is from Kenroy Justin, uh, who clearly sent this to the podding shed, and it's crept in somehow. Um, so we'd better get Tony to answer this. So can somebody pretend to be Tony? Because it says, dear Tony... Okay, 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 okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Unbelievable. He is there. He is with us. No, I'm, not, I'm not being funny, JK. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you're a twat. Um Dear Tony, <laughs> dear Tony Glover and the boys, hmm. with all the talk of Hazard going and the fact we haven't signed a Neymar or a Dembele in years, who would be your realistic first choice to replace him if he fucks off in the summer? Maybe Asensio, Isco. We might even need to make a couple of world-class signings, seeing how much we depend on him. Thanks, dogs. Kenroy D. Justin, St. Lucia. Good job we got Joe on the show, isn't it? <laughs> Just, can he do a Tony impression as well? I don't know. Can you? I, I don't think so, no. I, I've, I've forgotten kind of how Tony talks, but I'm sure he's uh, he's very eloquent. So. <laughs> Is it all that? Is it all that? Just, yeah. You say something, Joe, and I'll translate it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <sighs> see, I, I think the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Can, can you come in my office and do this for me, please? Just as I'm, I'm giving a presentation. 
<laughs> um, anyway, come on, Joe, give us an answer. Don't worry about the Tony bit. I think I think the, the problem we would have is, is the same way that, that Spurs tried to replace Bow with like twenty five different players. Is that you know when you have someone of Hazard's talent, you very rarely can you just go out and buy someone who 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 does the same things or, or very similar. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'd, there, there's a few players I, I'd like to see. I, I really like uh, Leon Bailey at Leverkusen, um, Icardi at, at Inter, although more of a centre forward, I think would be the sort of profile of player that we should be going for. But uh, yeah, and, and, and as uh, as Cameron points out, um, Asensio, another really really highly rated player. But I, I, I do think that we would we would struggle to to replace him like for like, um, even if you know we got 150 200 million pounds for him, it would be very difficult to to go out and buy someone of, of that ability straight off the bat. So, yeah, we, we may need to split it up into smaller chunks, but I think Spurs kind of proved that that approach doesn't necessarily always uh, net you the, the best result. Well, let's hope it doesn't happen. Uh, I think... Let's hope it doesn't happen. Was, yeah, absolutely. Gosh. Yeah, I was going to say that, John. I think the best answer is don't sell Eden Hazard because yes. <laughs> he'll be hard to replace him. Duh. Uh, great to hear from you, by the way, Ken Roy. I, 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 look, every time I see you send an email, in, it just makes me want to go to St. Lucia again. I love that Caribbean island like you wouldn't believe. Uh, anyway, Jonathan, take it away. This is from John Alsaka. Dear Chidge, Jonathan and the gang. Oh, this is, this is for us. Um, uh, no, I'm only kidding. I've thought about writing for quite some time, and in a flood of relief and emotional exhaustion, yesterday I decided the time has come. The endless flow of drivel and clickbait speculation from the British media has frustrated me to no end. But I hope the clear effort of the team against the Albion will finally end the down tools part of it, at least. I firmly believe that Antonio Conte means exactly what he says, is frequently victimised for his limited grasp of the Queen's English and plays no games with the club's board and owner. By the way, I also firmly believe that he still has their confidence, although it seems the organisation has a lot to work out internally. I want to tell you all at the Fancast how much I appreciate what you do. As an overseas proxy supporter, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. It's hard to keep the faith when blues faithful are few and far between in your neighbourhood. You all and the boys at the London is Blue podcast over here keep us overseas blokes from getting lonely and lost at the low points and share our exhilaration in the good times. It's a service that's much appreciated, as I know it's a great commitment of your time, even if it is a labour of love. I also want to put in a word for the quality of you and your friends on the pod as supporters. You embody what a supporter should be, which is someone who supports the club. As a supporter, one is entitled to opinions about the club, manager and players. But it's not considered support when all you do is tear someone down every time they make a poor play or have a bad game. Clearly, there are players that don't meet the quality standards that are expected at Chelsea FC, and there are others that just need to keep working to develop their obvious talents. I would put Bakayoko in this latter category. He can get there, but it remains to be seen if Conte and Chelsea will ultimately have the patience to allow him to get there. In this modern game of professional football, that is a rare commodity indeed. I came to Chelsea support late in life, as I was blissfully unaware of how great a club it is and was focused on other things over here in the States. When I returned to Atlanta about five years ago after a sojourn in other parts for work, my daughters began to play for a local club called Southern Soccer Academy, SSA, as it's known here, as Chelsea FC as a football development partner, which benefit seems largely to allow them to wear the CFC badge in their club bag along with some annual trip exchanges of youth stroke 
academy coaches. But nonetheless, it's a relationship that I treasure. Since CFC was partnered, I told my girls we should start supporting them. And so I did. That was the year that Man City won the league under Pellegrini. The next year, Chelsea were champions and my love affair began. I'm so glad to be part of the club's support and to be distantly associated with people like yourselves, oh, thank you, who I've come to admire from a distance. Probably the best place to be admiring as well. I especially want to give a shout out to Alex Churchill, Hooray! whose gin-fueled gin rants give me endless comic and pressure relief, mm. particularly after poor performances by the squad. I will keep the blue flag flying here in Atlanta, and I trust you will do the same in the mother country. God bless and up the Chels. John in Atlanta. And there's a pick. P.S. Here I am with my girls during their end of fall tournament last December. I know you can't show it on the pod, but at least you can appreciate it. I have a solid centre half and a goalkeeper on the family squad. Yes, lovely pick. And um, uh, they're all rather attractive. So good stuff. He's got a fine beard, hasn't he, Desar John? And a, yeah, a very fine beard. Can you put it up on the site, Chidge? Is that possible? I, I might, well, I might, I, well I, without him asking, you know, giving me permission. Oh yeah, well, I let's ask. Should, let's ask yeah. John if you want to put it up. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. That's a. Fab, I'm sure he'll let us know. It's a fab post. I love it. I love all this. It's lovely, isn't oh, it? Oh god, brilliant! And, uh, with, brilliant. Yeah, the, the, with his kids there. Yeah, yeah, and the the um, the fact that uh, once again we're you know in another country and he's. Uh, um, He's, he's loving what we do and the fact that I, I love the fact that he listens to the show. I think it's completely magnificent. Well done. Superb. Nice contact to have. Anyway, Simon Young, number three. Dear Uncle Chidge and the gang. Well, hey, Uncle Chidge. I have two very quick points to make. Number one, am I the only person that looks forward to Jake? I'll start this again. I said that very badly and it's about me. Am I the only person that looks forward to JK's rumours? from the middle tier. <laughs> yes. Yes, probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Thank you, Simon. Fantastic. Thank you. And number two, and more important, and more importantly, oh, okay. Chelsea need to chuck everything at Hazard to get him to sign an extended contract. To lose Hazard, Hazard oh, bloody, what's up to my name? <coughs> to lose Hazard. Put, put your teeth in, I've love. Put, put my teeth. Hang on, teeth a second. I'll just take them out. Hang on. <laughs> To lose Hazard would be the biggest mistake of all. Keep up the great work, boys and girls, and keep the blue flag flying high. Simon Young. Oh, dear. Lovely. Um, Very good. uh, Very good. Yes. Uh, Number four, Phil Monday. Dear Fancast, in 1995, as Eric, no, sorry. In 1995, as Eric Cantona attacked a fan at Crystal Palace, I was watching Chelsea lose 2 0 at home to Nottingham Forest and had the misfortune to be sat near a group of people who would best be described as pond life, if that wasn't an insult to things that live in ponds. Two forest players, Stan Collymore and Brian Roy, were routinely racially abused. Manager Glenn Hoddle's Spurs affiliations led to torrents of anti-Semitic filth, and our centre-forward Paul Furlong was invited to try trapping the ball with his tongue. It was a depressing and by that time an untypical night at the bridge. I don't think it was ever as bad again. It had been years earlier, of course, before Canners, Keith Jones, Keith Dublin, Ken Moncow, Eddie Newton and Frank Sinclair broke through and made supporting Chelsea a far less attractive proposition to the mindless racist. 
Nonetheless, incidents like that made you question whether you wanted to spend time at a place that harboured such people. My decision, like many others, was that I did on the grounds that they shouldn't be allowed to win and that they never made up as large a percentage of the fan base as the media made out then and now. Despite the Paris Metro incident a few years ago, I do believe the battle has been largely won there and that the percentage of Chelsea fans judging players by their skin colour is pretty small nowadays. However, having only recently started attending matches again after a lengthy absence and having recently dipped my toe into the murky waters of Twitter for the first time, I genuinely fear that there is a more insidious modern evil threatening the club and undermining my pleasure of being back at the bridge and interacting with fellow fans on social media. I thought that most trolls could be dismissed as pubescent keyboard warriors. Now, I'm less sure. On Friday, I made the 110-mile round journey to the match, leaving work early in the process. I haven't been lucky recently. Norwich saw me home at 2.30 in the morning due to that VAR shirking granite of a ref. The Bournemouth game was well, the Bournemouth game. So William's performance on Friday was a delight. I adore William anyway. After Dave and the special talent of Eden Hazard, he's probably my favourite player in the current side, and he seems like a great bloke. People can argue about there not being enough end product from it um, at times, but surely nobody dislikes William. Oh, yes, they do. Somebody recently expressed a desire for him to get cancer on Twitter. Someone else responded to a tweet from William's own account with the words, just die. And these are Chelsea fans. When I referred to this on Friday night, I got a vile, spiteful reply, making an equally unpleasant wish for our wonderful Brazilian midfielder. I didn't dignify it with a response then and won't repeat it now, but needless to say, did check this wretch out on his Twitter homepage. He has 2,000 followers. Scarily for me, they include some people among the party, among the paltry few, who follow me. Doubtless, they don't all hold the same views as he does about William, or indeed anything else. But he can't be written off as a crazed, deluded loner. I then discovered our debutant, Carl Scott, getting pelters elsewhere for everything, from his supposed lack of ability to his nationality, and finally, his haircut. These people clearly don't remember John Dempsey, but joking aside, God help us, 45 minutes into his Chelsea career, and he's been written off. Despite recent blips and the ongoing Conte saga, we lived through a pretty bloody good era to support Chelsea. Stream of consciousness moaning and knee-jerk responses to adversity will always be a part of all fans' makeup. But can we please think twice before attacking players too publicly? Anything that encourages the poison spat at the likes of William, Baba Yoko and that great club man Gary Cahill does nothing but drag the club's name and that of its supporters, through the mud again. It may be me who ends up as the crazed loner on social media, but the racists didn't drive me away from Stamford Bridge, and the trolls won't either. Thank you, William, for lighting up a cold Friday night after a hard week at work, and bollocks to anyone who can't summon up enough grace to acknowledge, however reluctantly, such a splendid individual performance. Rant over, up the Chels, Phil. Excellent, Phil. Absolutely. What an email. <laughs> what we were saying, what we were all saying before as well. Excellent, absolutely ridiculous. I didn't realise that um, uh, Carl Scott had been uh, had been got out on Twitter. I, I, I must have been watching a different game from these people. I thought he was great. I told you, I don't, I don't get it. Well, is it just because they decide they're going to choose somebody to have a go at? Is that what? Fairly certain. Yeah. I, just, I don't. I'm really bemused. 
but yeah great great email and uh, entirely uh, our, our sentiments here as well chaps you know it mm. goes completely against everything that we believe in so yeah yeah and I, it's bizarre isn't it because of course we i mean you know I, I i didn't necessarily you know talk about that earlier on uh because we had that email which is kind of serendipitous that we got such a great email which actually i think expressed everything that's wrong with that behavior far more eloquently than than we did earlier on to be fair um, fantastic email, Phil. I mean, honestly, when when I when I see emails coming like that, Jonathan, it makes me really proud that we do this show and we give people a voice like that. It's just oh, fantastic, yeah, I, isn't absolutely it? Absolutely agree. Yeah, it's it's a lovely focus for that kind of thing, and it's but it's great to hear people, you know, essentially love the club and don't want to have any of this idiocy. Idiot is yeah. the wrong word. Any of this 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 awfulness taking place. Um, mm. I have to say, I'm particularly impressed with the use of the word "planet." Oh, a rare word to see in an email. Planet. Wow. Yes, it reminds me of Ian Jury, Billericky Dicky. Is it in that chitch? Yes, I think it's. I knew a girl called uh, from, from from. I knew a girl called Janet. From the Isle I think of something Thanet. to do with Thanet, and she ended up on her planet. If if you if people will know this song, go and go and go go and go and go on Spotify or whatever. Ian Jury and the Blockheads, Billa Ricky Dicky, you won't regret it. It's one of my favourite um, um, Ian Jury songs. I know there's that in that song. It's got go. up her rum and her Ribena. That's in that one. As well, yeah, that's it? right. I got I got right up between yeah, her yeah. rum and her Ribena. There we go. Don't call me a thicky. I'm Billa Ricky. Anyway, enough. And I'm we should uh, not do anything. Very well. Right, and I'm doing very well. Boom, 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 boom. I love this. One of my all-time favourite songs, actually, bizarrely. Uh, that is a fantastic email, Phil. Fantastic emails from everybody. Dan, would you agree? We have some cracking emails this week. Yeah, we? really, really good. The last one particularly, very spoken like a true fan. Mm, absolutely. And uh, Joe, it's amazing, isn't it? It never, it absolutely knocks me out. We get some cracking emails from people. Yeah, I'd echo that last email, particularly some of the, uh, the comments about William. I mean, that's just... Yeah, I, I, you're hearing Jonathan read them out. I mean, it's I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I, I don't know why you would wish that on anyone anyway. But I mean, someone who plays for you, I just bewildered by that. To be perfectly honest, but yeah, I say it completely echoes everything we've kind of said earlier. This I think there's this kind of new banter fan or whatever you want to call them who seems to think that kind of behaviour is funny or or appropriate. And it's it's not really an age thing. I just think it's a bit stupid to be honest. You know, but yeah. yeah. Great. I think it's a great it's a great segment though, Chiz. We always tend to get some uh, really, really good emails from from different perspectives as well, which is always uh, fun to fun to hear. Yeah, lovely stuff. And by the way, Jonathan, uh, John Ulsacker, whose email you read out and whose uh, family you, you complimented so beautifully with the photograph, is actually in Mixler as we speak. Oh, brilliant. So hopefully John John heard his email being read out with a bit of luck. Uh, right, I've got some breaking news, which is apparently uh, Wigan are drawing nil-nil with Man City at half-time and Delph has been sent off and Pep's had a meltdown in the tunnel at half-time. What a lovely way to end the show. Let's hope that Wigan can uh, scrap, scrape a goal and knock those buggers out. That would be lovely. Uh, right, returning to the uh, topic of emails, um, as you've probably just heard, we really genuinely, we're not just saying it, um, You know, we don't just have them in there to fill out a part. Believe you me, we could talk for another half an hour on nonsense about Chelsea quite happily. Uh, but we just generally love hearing from you, uh, particularly when they're as good as they have been this week. So uh, please, please, please send them in. We'll read them out. 
Uh, and to do that, you need to send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com and you need to do it before a Monday because that's I write the script either on a Monday morning or a Sunday evening, depending on when we play. So there was a lovely lad I know who sent an email in who missed the cut today, but he will be first in the queue next week, I promise. Right, <clears throat> very, very sadly, that is about all we have time for this week. God, it's whizzed by. It has thoroughly whizzed by this week. Um, but fear not, people out there. We will return. Uh, in, in fact, we'll be back on Monday, February the 26th at 7 o'clock. And what will it be, Jonathan? What what, what will it be, Chidge? What? Oh, dear. You missed your cue, love. Get it together. Oh, it will be live! Oh, Chidge. Honestly, thank you. You know, even even John John Chip Chiverton knew. He knew the cue. He wrote it in Mixler. He knew. I thought it was going to be. Anyway, it never will mind. be a great show. It'll be fantastic. Well, it will be a great it show. Will it will be superb. But uh, I was actually. Be, I, yeah, I was just sipping my tea. It would have been embarrassing if I. Well, well, you, you see, this is the trouble when you do a show. Uh, without having you all sat round a table, you see. You could have hit I me. can't thump you anymore. Exactly. I can't give you the cues. Exactly. Anyway, the, one of the reasons why it will be a great show, J- JK's uh, absolutely nailed that. I mean, number one, we'll be reporting back on the Barcelona and the Man United game. I mean, blimey, Barcelona and Man United in the same week. Some week. Uh, but uh, we'll have, obviously, me and JK, uh, but we will have the return of the Smut Buddies... Reverend Tony Glover and Alex, the girl who likes balls, Churchill, will be in the house. So if you thought that this was if you if you've come across this show for the first time this week and you thought, oh, blimey, that's a really quiet, sensible show, you know, not too much silliness and uh, not a lot of swearing and a lot of really clever football debate. Well, that's really because Dan and uh, Dan and Joe were on this week. Next week will be very different. That's all I'm saying. Uh, probably a lot more sweary and a lot more ranty, but there you go. Uh, anyway, uh, apart from all that, we're going to be reporting back on a couple of very small and consequential matches. Chelsea versus Barcelona and Man United. If you believe that, you'll believe anything. Anyway, before all of that, um, on Thursday to be precise, I'll be recording the Kerry Dixon show. So uh, the one and only Kerry Dixon, Chelsea legend, 193 goals and a fantastic bloke to boot. Always worth a listen. Uh, that'll give us the first chance to uh, to give the lowdown on what we thought about the Barcelona game happening tomorrow night. So make sure you uh, download and listen to that from our Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, et all. Uh, right, you can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stamford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dan at DanSilves73, Joe at Joe Tweedy, and of course check out the website ChelseaFancast.com. Uh, many thanks, of course, as always, to the lovely Heon and the Chelsea Fancast bloggers, John and Alex in particular, for their regular content going up during the week. And, uh, of course, everything that we write gets posted on Twitter and Facebook, so you've got a chance to look at that. The Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast, so make sure you check them all out, like and retweet them. It is time for us to go, but before that, before I'm going to say very, very massive, mahusive thank you to Joe. Your your insight and, and and analysis is always a joy to behold, mate. It's fantastic having you on the on the show. Yeah, cheers, cheers. Happy to be on as always. Lovely. Well, hopefully we'll get I'll get to catch up with you. You know, if not in Stanford Bridge for a beer sometime. We'd love to see. You. I haven't seen you for ages. Yeah, no, I, I'm coming back in April, so I'm back for a wedding, and hopefully going to be at the Tottenham game. So I should be able to catch up with you Ooh. then. Ooh, yeah. I haven't missed that game in about good, 15 yeah. years, so I don't, I don't want to start now. 
Well, good for you. I, I had a horrible spate for the last few years of missing that game for unbelievably, you know, plausible reasons. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm determined. I'm not missing it this year. If we, if no we lose, way. I will take personal responsibility. So I do need to be there. So. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Well, look, you know, you and I must have a beer. Yeah. It'd be lovely to catch up with you. You know, the London is uh, the London is Blue Boys will be over that yeah, weekend yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, so it would be yeah, it would be great to meet those guys as well. Yeah, excellent stuff, Joe. Brilliant having you on the show as always, Dan. You are an absolute legend, sir. You are you you are literally in your sick bed doing this show, for which I love you. You're an absolute trooper, mate. Well Dan. done. Thanks for, thanks for coming yeah, on the show. My mate. pleasure. I'll see you. I'll see you soon. Yeah, mate. Go to bed. Well, you are in bed. Have some sleep. Have some rest. Drink lots of fluids and get better soon. That's all I can say. Take care, mate. And and last but by no means least, uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, uh, my my partner in crime, the Sid Little to my Eddie Large. Surely I'm one of the Chuckle Brothers. Yeah. To me. Yeah. To you. <laughs> See, he's missed every flaming cue tonight. Call yourself a bloody actor. What a disgrace. That was unbelievable, me, wasn't it? That was terrible. Yeah, yeah. I realized. I was thinking, I thought you yeah. said to me, you are, and I thought, what's he saying? To you. Yeah, yeah. And after you said it, I thought, oh, hang on. It's to you, to me. Oh, God, I've blown it. Oh. He's had a hard week. He's, he's getting old, bless him. I am. I, I hope, am. Con- considering all of this, mate, I hope your your butlers look after you in the East Middle tomorrow. Um, it's going to be a great game. I, I, I am so, so excited for this game tomorrow, mate. I really am. Let's hope we uh, we come away with a decent result, eh? Oh, what? Yeah, I'm. Uh, well, whatever happens, happens. I go along, you know, and you think. And then let's hope we have some wonderful... Wonderful, the Chelsea glory. That's what we can only hope for. Yes, indeed. That's what I just think. One, one, one hopes it's going to happen. And we're wonderful company as always. Excellent, uh, excellent, yeah. Dan and Joe. Brilliant as always. So uh, well you. done, and uh, well done yourself, Chidge, as usual. Well done, mate. Great stuff. I'm uh, I'm thoroughly looking forward to it already. Uh, and uh, I will see everybody out there next week. Thank you, everybody in Mixler, for joining in. You're absolutely brilliant. We love seeing you in there, particularly. You are the Chelsea, the hardcore Chelsea fancast mixer firm, and I love every single little one of you. You're brilliant. Right, enough. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Yep. Up the Chelsea! <laughs> It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.